is up, everybody? Welcome back to First Down Rundown, where we give you a holistic view of the world of sports. Whether you're a casual fan or an avid fan, this is the place for you. We're your two hosts. I'm Hayden Vozar. He's Matt Vozar. Today is Tuesday, January 17th, and today we are joined by a guest. We haven't had a guest on the channel in a pretty long time, but we're joined by Tyler Lancaster, a.k.a. Coach Lambo. He's the host of Totem Pole Sports on YouTube. Got around, I think, 23K subscribers by now or approaching that or something like that. So um, and he's been only doing it for three or four months, I believe. So um, huge. I mean, huge props to him. He's been going crazy on YouTube, posting almost every day. Tyler and I are we go way back. We're friends from middle school. So we played middle school football together and we just kind of been, you know, in touch here and there uh, ever since. And, you know, we we both have this podcast gig going on. And so. Tyler reached out to me one day uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think it was. And then he asked me to be on totem pole sports. And so I said, Hey, let me return the favor and and let's have you on first down rundown. So with that being said, I'm going to hand it over to, to uh, Tyler to kind of talk about himself and talk about his channel for a little bit and just introduce yourself, Tyler. Uh, thank you for having me on the show, man. It's uh, appreciated. And, you know, I'm glad things worked out. I am Tyler Lancaster, AKA, Real Coach Lambo and Lambo, I got different nicknames and all this other stuff. But I've started Totem Pole Sports back in mid-football season. I say October 3rd was the official start date. And I've been running Totem Pole Sports for about three months. And I have a good good team around me. And we just start talking about sports, all this other stuff. It ain't really much to the story. And we just reached 23K subscribers last night. So we are continuing to grow. But also, I'm not here to brag about the numbers. I'm here to help other people out, and I just love to talk about sports. That's basically it about me. Well, there you go. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what Tyler's here to do. I appreciate you coming on because we know you have a lot to say about the NFL. We know you're a huge football guy, and um, that's what we're having you on for because we know we're going to get some good content out of this episode. I've got Matt on the other end here, too. Matt, how are you? Yeah, it's uh, well, everybody's kind of back in their spaces now. The last few episodes have been me and Hayden at home, kind of, you know, just in the same room together. Um, now we're, we're back on the Zoom meetings, but the Zoom meetings mean that we can have guests. And that's why that's right. it's uh, it's it's the perfect time to have a great, uh, great guy like Tyler on for our podcast tonight. Um, so as you see from the title, pretty much going to go through every single playoff team. Right. We have a question or a topic about each one. Um, I just kind of just kind of rattling through them. I, I think it's just I mean, you know. After coming off of such a crazy weekend of playoff football, I thought it was probably the best thing to, uh, you know, to just kind of sum everything up. And then obviously we'll kind of do a, a mini preview of uh, the four uh, divisional games uh, this coming weekend. That's right. All right. Well, without further ado, let's get straight into the NFL. So as we said, we're going to do a little bit of a review of each of the games. Um, I'm going to kind of I'm, I'll probably talk about one of the AFC games first, and then we can kind of just go through the line and, and I'll hand it over to Tyler next. And he can talk about whatever game he wants and then Matt can talk about whatever game he wants. But we'll, we'll probably keep it to a keep it to a minimum here, because, again, like Matt said, we have some questions to ask, um, just kind of some general questions about each team that either lost or won each team that was in the wild card round or that played in the wild card round. So um, that's going to exclude the chiefs and the Eagles. We don't have topics about them because they didn't play. And so there's not really any hot news about them, but with that being said, I'm going to talk, I'm going to go straight into the probably the most surprising game, which was the bills and the dolphins. And we were actually just talking about this game uh, before we started recording. And, and we basically just summed it up to the bills are inexperienced and, they should have won that game, but they didn't. They lost by three, 
they should have won because it was it was weird to see them stay in the game for that long. But again, penalties, delay of games, false starts, everything like that, that killed them in the end. And the Bills were able to hang on. We do have a uh, we do have a topic or kind of like a question regarding this. And so I'm going to save my what I'm going to say for that for that question. But I just wanted to say that the Bills were my Super Bowl pick um, and they still are. I'm not I'm going to keep my word on that, but it was very scary to see them uh, to see them almost lose to the Dolphins, which everybody was having this as like the lock of the wild card round. And again, that just it just goes to show how spreads can, you know, 10 point spread means nothing. And spreads can go either way. So um, it, it was definitely, I think, in my opinion, probably the biggest surprise. Some might say the Cowboys might be the biggest surprise, but I don't know. I, I think that it was probably this Bills-Dolphins game. Tyler, what do you think about any other game in the in the playoffs? Man, you know what I'm going to talk about here? Uh, I'm going to talk about the upset alert because, you know, I picked those Jacksonville Jaguars to beat those Chargers, ladies and gentlemen. And here's why. Because the Chargers are known for choking, and since they were up 27-0, before they scored that touchdown at the end of the first half, it was 27-7. Ladies and gentlemen, the Chargers still know how to fold. Even they fired Anthony Lynn back then, and they still fold. Brandon Staley should be fired, ladies and gentlemen. You fired the OC and Joe Lombardi, and you fired the quarterback's coach. You need to fire him. Why is Brandon Staley not fired? Now, ladies and gentlemen, just in case you don't know what football is, you're up 27 to 0, okay? Trevor Lawrence throws three, four interceptions in the first half. You have a total of five turnovers in the first half, five, including the punt where it hits the guy upside the head. What happens? Let me, let me go back into the first quarter. Let me go back because when they got that second turnover, the Chargers could have scored a touchdown. They could have scored a touchdown. But, no, they want to throw the ball three times at the three-yard line. Why do we throw the ball? at the goal line you have Austin Eckler who has what the most rushing touchdowns I assume and he's not in the Pro Bowl he's not in the Pro Bowl you don't run the ball except one time well why do the Chargers not run the ball enough that's the problem and then we want to go back to the fourth quarter 30 to 20 the game getting really tight ladies and gentlemen the game's getting tight you missed the field goal now if you would have scored the extra touchdown in the first half and be up 14 and that field goal the Chargers would have won but like I said Doug Peterson, ladies and gentlemen, he might be on the run with Brian Dable as coach of the year because those Jacksonville Jaguars was three and seven, ladies and gentlemen. When I watched the Jaguars, they beat the Ravens. They beat the Ravens now, and they have the winning start because my boy and Trevor Lawrence, and Trevor Lawrence, we trust, is going to do something special, and the Chargers are failures. And let's talk about Bosa because I'm very – disappointed in his actions and him lining up six inches off sides and all this other stuff. And he's very, very immature. He should have got fined $40,000 for the comments that he said. Okay. He's getting mad. The Chargers defense is undisciplined. They just fired a defensive coordinator. So the Chargers stink. Like I said, I predict the future. I said Jacksonville Jaguars was going to come back and they won. End of the story on Jacksonville. It was it was one of I mean, they said it was the third largest comeback in NFL or playoff history. Um, I don't even know what the other two are, because that was I mean, that was crazy. I went to bed like halfway. The game was like it was like 30 to or Yeah, I think it was. I guess it was it must have been th- before they scored the second touchdown, 30 to 20, 30 to 14, something like that. And I was like, whatever, I'm just done with this. Um, and and it, I think that the well, I guess we have a question on it later on um, coming up about about Brandon Staley. So I guess we'll, we'll I'll save it for then. Um, 
me and Hayden also picked the Jaguars, but that was, I mean, we didn't say that they were going to come back and win when they were down 27 to nothing, but we at least picked them kind of previous or, you know, prior to the show. Another upset that I picked that actually came through for me was the Giants over the Vikings. That was probably my kind of, I mean, it was, it was a surprising result, I guess, but I, like I said, I mean, I picked them. I saw it coming. It was what we tagged as, you know, the a battle of the frauds in the NFC, right? I mean, it was two teams that nobody really thought should have gotten to the playoffs or, you know, even if they did, it was, you know, okay, there's significant holes in both these teams. And so, you know, really anyone who wins, they'll probably just end up losing, you know, later on. And obviously the Vikings, I mean, the Vikings had five more wins than the Giants. They were favorites. They were at home. They're the number two seed in the NFC and they go out there and lose. Well, I guess number three seed, but either way, um, they go out there and lose. And, and it was the defense that did them in. And that was what happened pretty much all year long. I was just, you know, I was, I was kind of, I mean, it, they went up seven, nothing. They scored on their first drive. And I was like, okay, wait, maybe they actually will be able to kind of dominate this game. But then the Giants score 17 straight points and they never really even trailed uh, after that. So that was kind of my, I guess, surprising result. But I think that was probably the biggest upset of the week, I guess. Um, and, and so, you know, I guess, you know, kind of just mentioning it here, but the, the funny thing is that like, nobody was really that surprised that the Vikings lost. And honestly, I think more people are honestly you know, agreeing with the fact that, yeah, they, they deserve to lose. They, you know, they weren't good uh, despite all those, all those close wins and, you know, being in 11 and 0 in, in one score game. So, uh, so that was kind of my, I guess, you know, surprise pick of the week that ended up, uh, ended up coming true. Hayden, what do you got? Yeah. And I, I I'm just going to preface my surprise pick of the week that came true, which was, well, it wasn't really a surprise pick, but I talking to most people, most people had the bucks winning. I had the Cowboys winning. I think, both Tyler and Matt had the Bucks winning, so I got them there. Um, I, I picked the Cowboys, and I I knew it all along. I knew it would happen, but I'm going to talk more about that in our last question because the our last question here for the NFL is about Dak and the Cowboys. But I'm going to save my analysis for for then. So to just hop right into these questions here. So this first one's about the Seahawks, and I'm actually going to pose this one to Tyler um, to Tyler first because I don't want to answer the question right off the bat. So it's about uh, it's about Russell Wilson and Geno Smith, that kind of trade that happened this offseason. And it wasn't a tr- I mean, Geno Smith wasn't involved in the trade, but they they acquired him um, and, you know, he arguably played better than Russell Wilson has the past couple of the, the couple of years that he or his, his last couple of years in Seattle. And so the question here is the Seahawks only played one half this for, for this past wildcard game. They were, uh, they were actually up at halftime, I think 17, 16. And then in the second half, they just got absolutely trampled by the 49ers. And that's kind of what the 49ers do to you. They tire you out and they, and they kind of, you know, it's, it's almost like a boxing match for them with that r- rookie quarterback in Brock Purdy back there. But yeah, to be fair, I mean, the Seahawks played one half of football the first half and then after that they were done. But I think the short, the story shouldn't be them only playing one half of football in the wild card round. It should be them making the playoffs after trading a hall of fame QB. What are your thoughts on this uh, Tyler? And do you think this story of them making the playoffs with, um, after trading a Hall of Fame QB or, or arguably a Hall of Fame QB, is is the story more of them making the playoffs or is it more of them choking in the playoffs? No, it's more of them making the playoffs. Um, nobody expected Geno Smith to start. Um, I know they made the trade. He wasn't a part of the trade, but they brought in Drew Locke and Noah Fan and all these other guys, and probably two additional first-round picks or whatever the trade was. It shouldn't be about those Seahawks and Geno Smith and the leadership that he brings for the Seattle Seahawks, ladies and gentlemen. Nobody expected those Seahawks to make the playoffs. The Seahawks, I think, were projected to only win, what, six games, and they finished the season 99, and there was also questions around if Pete Carroll was going to step away or if he was going to retire and all this other stuff. I think the Seahawks did a very, very good job. 
they stuck with the run game. I know they got offensive line issues, and you know DK Metcalf didn't really get involved in the passing game until until this past weekend with ten receptions, one hundred thirty six yards, which is ridiculous. But it should be about Geno Smith. He got a second chance. He was a starting quarterback for the Jets way back a long time ago. He got punched in the jaw and all this other stuff. But it's Geno Smith in a second chance. Now I'm not sure what the GM of the Seahawks is going to do if he's going to draft a quarterback or possibly get Derek Carr. I don't know, but it should be about the leadership of Geno Smith. He's done a very, very good job. He's just a leader, man. He's been around for a very long time. He And to be honest, he sat behind somebody for so long. So I just think it should be about the Seahawks. They're not back. They need to work on their defense. The defense is, is just terrible, terrible defense. If they want to get to the Super Bowl, get another quarterback. But this should be about Geno Smith and the future. I don't know if they're going to keep him. If they do keep him, very smart to keep him. I hope he gets better. But I'm just glad that Seattle stuck with the run game, regardless of their pass game not being so good. So, Geno Smith, congratulations. I think he, I think you're exactly right, Tyler. And I think that the, the craziest part about this is that the Seahawks were actually projected to be one of the worst teams in the NFL before the season. Like, the season win total, I think the projection for, for the amount of wins they would get in the season was like five or six or something like that, which was one of the worst in the league. I mean, that was with the Texans and the Falcons who, you know, were two of the best or two of the worst teams in the league, but, but the Seahawks, nobody expected this right now. I think that the, the narrative gets a little bit foggy here because the Seahawks started so fast. I think they were what five and two or something to start the, to start their season. And, and Geno Smith was going crazy. He was playing so well. And then it kind of just faded towards the end of the season. Now, obviously they needed kind of some help to get in the playoffs to begin with. Obviously the, the lions beat the Packers in that week 18 game to, to even let the Seahawks into the playoffs. But that's exactly right. I mean, that's that's why I wrote the top here. Like the Seahawks got into the playoffs, but they weren't ever even supposed to get here. I mean, they, it's a successful season just to have even, you know, a winning record, much less, you know, be in the playoffs and be among the 14 best teams uh, in the NFL. And nobody expected that. And I think that's what we have to be realizing. And, and exactly like Tyler said, Geno Smith is a huge, a huge part of that. Um, so I, I do think that he deserves a ton of credit. And, you know, right. It, it, they're going to have to figure something out. They might franchise tag and they might, might bring in someone else. Um but at least they know where they need to kind of, you know, boost the team, like Tyler said, too, on defense. Uh, but but I mean, realistically, like they're playing with house money. It's one of those things that they weren't expected to be this good. They weren't expected to be good right now. So, you know, if, if you have this solid of a team and you can kind of move forward with that, well, you know what you need to improve on on the, on the defensive end. And we can go out there and, and, and grab some free agents or draft uh, to, you know based on those positions. And I think that, you know, they'll be, they'll be pretty set up here for the, for the future. But I think that, right. You know, it's one of those crazy situations where everybody thinks that Russell Wilson's the key to this team. And it turns out he is really the detriment. I mean, we saw that with his last couple of years in Seattle and then obviously now, or uh, you know, this year with Denver as well. So it was almost a, you know, almost a, an, in, in like an inverse of the, you know, you trade the guy that you think is the hall of fame quarterback. And realistically he was, almost bringing the team down to some extent. So that was, that was pretty interesting there. Um, so the team that the Seahawks played the 49ers, obviously, I mean, you know, right. The Seahawks are winning at halftime. 49ers looked a little weird uh, in the first half and then came out in the second half and absolutely dominated uh, much because of the success of Brock Purdy. So, and obviously, you know, he, he, the rookie quarterback, he, he continues to impress. Right. And I think that the narrative going on with Brock Purdy is that everybody he seems to kind of keep moving the goalposts, right? So it's, oh, his first couple starts, he he played really easy defenses. Okay, well, then his next couple starts, he was playing at home and, it, you know, it was his first road test. What's he going to, you know, what's he going to be able to do when it comes to the playoffs? And, oh, okay, well, now he's in the playoffs. This is going to be completely, you know, a different situation. Oh, well, he crushed the team that he played in the play. And it's just like, when is he, when are people finally going to actually, you know, just just give him credit for, for how well he is playing? 
playing, I realized that, you know, most rookie quarterbacks end up having a game where they look average or they look like a rookie quarterback. He hasn't had that yet. And so the question here that I'm posed to Hayden right now is Brock, will Brock Purdy ever actually look like a rookie and can they win and continue in these playoffs and even go, you know, maybe to the Super Bowl or, 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 you know, possibly win everything. Uh, even if he does look like a rookie quarterback and kind of regresses to that level. Yeah. Well, here's the thing I'm going to say. So a lot of, and Matt, you gave a lot of the excuses that a lot of people are making so far for Brock Purdy being good and Brock Purdy being in the position that he's in right now. And I think another one that you may have touched on, but I think is, is kind of even more glaring is the fact that, right. Everybody says that, Oh, Kyle Shanahan is calling these plays and he's, he's drawing up everything that Brock Purdy needs to do. Brock Purdy doesn't even need to make a read, or if he does need to make a read, it's, you know, he's reading one player and, if not, then he's just got like some kind of bailout option that's always going to be open because Kyle Shanahan is one of the, you know, one of the best offensive minds in the league, which is true. But on the other hand, like Matt said, I mean, we've seen like we've seen this guy just consistently be so good. And if you look at his film and you look at his mechanics, too, he's like he, he's a very good court. I mean, he steps up in the pocket a lot. You, you know, he's he's throwing under pressure, everything like that. He's not like escaping right when he sees one flash of pressure. Right. I mean, he's standing in there. He's taking hits, but he's delivering throws. Right. And that's exactly what you want out of an NFL caliber quarterback. That's what we call an NFL caliber quarterback. That's a lot of things that college quarterbacks don't have. Or if you think that they have them, you find out in the NFL, okay, well, these guys don't have them. Right. But Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant drafted as the last pick in the draft this past year, he's doing all these things and everybody's wondering like, Oh my gosh, well, you know how he's doing this. And they're starting to make excuses because right. He's not supposed to be doing these things as Mr. Irrelevant, but he is. And we, I think we just have, I think Matt's right. We, we kind of just have to sit back and accept the fact that, okay, maybe he, we should give him credit for it because right. He's, he's been through all these stages. He's been through the stages of playing away games, right? He's been through the stages of playing a, a pretty decent defense. I mean, the Seahawks defense, let's be honest, like Tyler said, is, is not good at all. But again, it's it's still the playoff stage, right? And people thought that once he meets the playoff stage that he's going to crumble a little bit, and he didn't. So I think that, you know, with how good this San Fran defense is, even if he does show, you know, show, show some rookie signs or show some rookie tendencies here and there throughout the rest of the playoffs, I, I don't think it'll matter that much. It's just It's just a matter of, like, how much he looks like a rookie. But I don't think – Brock Purdy's version of looking like a rookie – is a lot different than a guy like, you know, Zach Wilson or something like that last year. So I think that, um, you know, I, I think that Brock Purdy is doing a great job back there in the, in the pocket. He's like I said, he's delivering throws. He's looking like an NFL quarterback. He's doing all the things that separate NFL quarterbacks from college quarterbacks or recent college quarterbacks. So I think he's doing I, I think what he's doing is, is great right now in San Fran. And I can I expect it to continue. I don't expect him having a, a wishwashy game to uh to to affect the San Fran 49ers in that much of a, you know, in that much of a big way in the future here. So, Tyler, what do you think about this? <sighs> Brock Perry, ladies and gentlemen, played at Iowa State. Now, if y'all don't watch college football, he was a very good college football quarterback. OK, he's Mr. Irrelevant for a reason. Now, you know why the 49ers are so good? They're not a quarterback-oriented team, okay? If they were a quarterback-oriented team, they'd probably be winning the Super Bowl. I'm not saying that as a bad thing. I'm saying that as a good thing, okay? Now, last season, okay, they went to the NFC Championship game and they lost, okay? Everything, everybody's like, Jimmy G's gone. Jimmy G's gone. They go, they, they, they going to start Trey Lance. Trey Lance breaks his foot. Now, if the 49ers didn't keep Jimmy G before 
Brock Purdy was ready, I don't think they'll be this far. But John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan, very smart of just keeping Jimmy G. They restructured his contract. But I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, I've said it a couple weeks back. I've said it probably around week 16, week 17, especially all the other fans of nonsense that don't make the playoffs. I've said that Brock Purdy and the 49ers are my Super Bowl pick. They are going to the Super Bowl. They have a chance to beat the Eagles, and I can't wait for Brock Purdy to beat those nauseating, crazy Cowboy fans. I can't wait because I can't stand those Cowboys, but Brock Purdy knows what to do. He can read the field. He doesn't turn the ball over. He's accurate like Hayden said. I'm just trying to tell you, don't be surprised if the 49ers go to the Super Bowl with no Jimmy G and no Trey Lance. I'm just saying, the 49ers are going to Super Bowl. That's all I got. Hey, Tyler, I don't know if you listened to our last episode, but we did our playoff predictions. Guess who I had winning the whole thing? I had the 49ers. So, and and I was surprised. I was surprised in myself. I'm like, I don't even know why I'm doing this, but I just, I feel like I have to just because the way they're playing it, it's just, it looks amazing. So um, definitely on the same wavelength with you there. So the next question that we have, next team that we're going over is the Chargers. We kind of already got to this. Uh, I'll let Tyler do a little bit more here. If he, uh, if he, if he can even stand to do, to talk about Brandon Staley anymore. Um, I want really, the que- yeah, I mean, the question comes down to like, you know, right, do you fire him? Do you not? I think the craziest part was the fact that so, I mean, really his first two years in, in L.A., obviously you have Justin Herbert, who's a great talent. You have a ton of pieces around him. You have all the receivers. Austin Eckler, the defense has guys. They're not great, but, you know, you got Khalil Mack. You got Derwin James. Um, you got J.C. Jackson, like all these, you know, I'm naming a bunch of people, right? Like they should at least be able to perform with these guys. And I think that his first two years there, he's a very offensive minded. Well, you know, he's a defensive guy, actually. But in his yeah. first two years, he was. um he was so about, you know, go for it on fourth down, take the risk, the analytics. He was like all about this. And he basically got bullied by the fans and the, and people on Twitter, basically, who were going after him because, you know, OK, one wrong decision. He he lost a game or, you know, one time he went for it and it didn't work and he would go for it on like fourth and five at his own 15 yard line or whatever. He'd miss it. And, you know, the other team would score or whatever. And so it was one of those things where he was so overly aggressive to the point where he got bullied into basically being the opposite of that, which, which we saw in this game against the Jaguars. He completely just stopped taking chances, stopped running the ball. He, you know, instead of kicking that field goal that he missed, why don't you just go for it on fourth down? If you make, if you make that, you basically win the game. So it's like all these decisions that have just gone from, from where he started to where we're at now, it's basically completely opposite. So I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, do you fire him? Like, I guess you have to, but it's just like, cause it's just, the team is so talented and you want to, you, you know, you want to, to love them and you want to make sure, or you want to, you know, see that they do well. But, and Tyler mentioned it at the very beginning, like, it's just the chargers though. Like, is it really that, can it be that? Because we saw it with Anthony Lamb, we saw it with Norv Turner, like even before him, like all these, like Phillip Rivers, when he was playing on a torn ACL or whatever, they're playing the Patriots in like 2005 and they're have the best team in the league and they still lose. It's like, is it just this organization? Like, can you even fire Brandon Staley? If just the, the, the whole team is just cursed. I don't even know. Well, first of all, Brandon Staley has coached for two years. Um, I think it's records 20 and 16 or 19 and 16 after the loss. Um, now, the Chargers are known for choking, and here's why. Because last year, okay, week 18 is when it started having an 18-game season. The Chargers stupid, stupidly called a timeout to let the Raiders kick a field goal. Stupid. Why would you do that? If you sat there and tied the game, the Pittsburgh Steelers would have been out the playoffs last year, if I'm correct. So he stupidly calls a timeout talking about, oh, well, we need to make certain adjustments we won't ready. Well, first of all, the Raiders were just trying to play for a tie. They were trying to play for a tie. First of all, 
Um, second of all, I want to go back to the press conference after they lost to Jacksonville Jaguars. He sat there, a reporter asked him and said, well, what do you think Jacksonville done differently? Oh, they, 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 they didn't do anything differently. They, they did the same thing we thought they were going to do. Well, really. Now, I want to get a little bit off topic. I want to talk about Doug Pearson a little bit because Doug Pearson mentioned the second half. They were up, they were, uh, up-tempo. They were getting the ball down the field. They were being aggressive. They stuck with the run game with Travis Etienne, and they came back. Now, Brandon Staley, I, I think he should get fired. I really think he should get fired because I'm just I'm just sick of the – he's a pretty boy. Brandon Staley is a wannabe Sean McVay. He's a wannabe Sean McVay and a wannabe Andy Reid. Go for it on fourth down. Be aggressive. Now, first of all, he doesn't have Matthew Stafford or, you know, a wannabe Jared Goff, who was okay before he got traded, and you don't have Pat Mahomes. So – you have Justin Herbert, okay? Justin Herbert is okay. He has three plus seasons with over 4,000 passing yards, but the, the O-line isn't there. You don't use your tight ends enough. You don't run the football enough. And I think in that certain situation of the game, they were up 24 to zero in the second quarter, and I think they should have went for it on fourth and two. Now, I understand they got the muff punt and they got it back and whatever and all the other stuff, but they just had chances where they did not score touchdowns, and he's mentioned in other games um, probably Thursday night against the you know the Rams back in or whatever he's mentioned that they don't finish drives. The Chargers don't finish drives on offense. You're kicking field goals and you always got the ball at the 15 yard line. So I don't know what his situation is. I think he should get fired. There's no way you keep the job, you know, after blowing a 27-0 lead, which is the worst since the 28-3 in the Super Bowl with Matt Ryan. He's blown two leagues, uh, 33-0 as well. I think it's worse than the Colts one, but. Brandon Staley should get fired. I understand they fired uh, Joe Lombardi and the quarterbacks coach, but he 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 needs to go. I've I've watched him on Hard Knocks the last previous year. I like his aggressiveness of going for it on fourth down, but he got very very tense in certain situations, and I just don't like when coaches get tense. I'm a coach myself. I don't like when you get tense on fourth down. You want to go for it, go for it. You got Keenan Allen. You got Keenan Allen. Why, why is he not getting the ball enough, man? That's all. I mean, I'm disappointed. I, 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 I'm, I'm sick of him. Well, and the, and the last thing right before Hayden goes is the is the whole – this all stemmed, remember, from the Week 18 game against the Broncos. He plays all the starters. Mike Williams gets hurt, breaks his back, and now he's out, right? And who knows? I mean, you know, you never say that one player can impact the game so much. Mike Williams could have caught a couple more balls, like anything, right? Those fourth down plays that Tyler was just talking about. He could have very well impacted this game and, and, and you know, they very well might have, would have won the game had he not rested the start or, you know, not played the whole starters in the game. And it's just crazy stuff. Yeah. Keenan Allen's Mr. Trustworthy, right? I mean, he, he has like the most third down conversions at, by wide receiver over the past five years by like a landslide than any other receiver in the NFL. So I like where Tyler was going with that. But on the other side of this coin, you got the Jags, right? And so our, our question here for the Jags is basically like, this is a kind of a different type of win. And well, Matt, Matt wrote this topic out and, and he said that this is a kind of a different type of win for the Jags. And, you know, they've been playing with house money so far and they've, they've, they've kind of just been like, things have been going their way and they haven't been expected, expected to do what they've been doing, but they've gotten it done. And they just proved to us in this wild card round by performing one of the, you know, one of the greatest comebacks in playoff history and NFL history in general, that they are the real deal, right? Like Tyler has been saying. So, what I'm going to say here is, well, I don't think that this win, that this comeback win is very new for the Jags. If you guys remember, I think it was back in week 15 
or make week 16, something like that. Back on December 18th, uh, the cow, I mean, the Jaguars and the Cowboys played. Okay. And the Cowboys were up 21 to seven, I believe at halftime. And the Jaguars ended up coming back to tie the game up. They went into OT and then in OT, they had a pick six to win the game over the Cowboys. And everybody was like, Oh my gosh, because right. The Cowboys are up 21 to seven at halftime over the Jags. You're like, Oh, Cowboys offense, Cowboys defense. They're both pretty decent. They can both be really bad sometimes, but right. There's no way that the Jags are going to come back and beat the Cowboys in this game, but they did. And I, and Tyler's here shaking his head. I mean, uh, nodding his head because I know that he loves what I'm, what he's hearing because I love what I'm hearing because I don't like the Cowboys either. So (laughs) all I'm saying is I don't think that this, this, this Jaguars comeback was that crazy of a thing. I don't think that, I think that it was pretty, I mean, they, they've done it before, right, against the Cowboys. And I, I didn't expect this to happen against the Chargers. But again, you combine the experience of, you know, that the Jaguars have coming back in games recently with that with that win over the Cowboys in week uh, week 15. You combine that with how fraudulent and how bad the Chargers are in primetime game or not primetime, but in, um you know, in situations where they need to win. You combine those two things and you've got a perfect recipe for a Jaguars comeback. So I think that this game, again, nobody would have expected this. Like even even if you saw that this game and you said, okay, well, right. The Jaguars came back against the Cowboys and the Chargers suck whenever they need to be good. So this is a perfect recipe for a comeback. Nobody would have said that because, right, it's 27 zip and 27 seven at halftime. Even then, you're not saying that, you know, you're, you're not saying the same thing. But I think hindsight, you know, hindsight always being 2020. I think we've got to kind of give more credit to the Jags here and say, yeah, they they are the real deal, right? They're like we shouldn't we shouldn't discredit them for doing something that they've done before in the season just because the Chargers suck, right? It's it's just I th- I think that we should be giving more credit to the Jags. And um I, I know that Tyler's pretty, you know, pretty passionate about the Jags here. So do you have anything to say on this topic, Tyler? Well, first of all, you have to play 60 minutes of football. And that's what Doug Peterson's message was. You play 60 minutes of football. Now, the good question is, uh, what do you do as a coach? You've been down 27-0. Most people think you yell and shout, but it's the playoffs. You stay calm. The reason why you stay calm is, you know, you get your players confidence, give them time to breathe and do whatever. So Doug Peterson has confidence. Doug Peterson knows how to turn a program around. I mean, he was with the Eagles for five years. He beat our Patriots the second year of his tenure with the Eagles, which I was not pleased. I was not happy at all. But he knows how to turn around a program. I think when Doug Pearson took that year off after he got fired from the Eagles, I think he just put in a different mode. He can relate with quarterbacks, uh, especially with Trevor Lawrence, is better than Urban Meyer. But they, you have to play football for 60 minutes in the NFL. We've seen it with the Colts and the Vikings. And we've seen it with this game as well. You have to learn how to play 60 minutes. The Jaguars play for 60 minutes. Now, the body lanes may have been kind of bad because of the turnovers or whatever, but I just like that Trevor Lawrence and Doug Pierce was calm. They were just like, breathe. It's okay. Like, you normally don't do this depending on certain teams because normally when you're up 27-0, the game is over. But I'm, I'm just proud of Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence because Trevor Lawrence is me being a Clemson fan. Trevor Lawrence has been through a lot. Um, and he admitted he wasn't really good his first year, but now he has the right coach. I think, especially with the Jacksonville Jaguars, they, they brought in the free agents. They brought in, you know, Evan Ingram and Zay Jones and Christian Kirk and all these other guys. I, I think it's working, and they stick with the run game with Travis Etienne. I, I, I Don't be surprised if they hit the AFC Championship game. Do not be surprised. 
Yeah, you want right. you want to talk about cool, calm, and collected? Uh, go watch Doug Peterson's interview right before he entered the locker room, right before halftime when they were down twenty seven seven, and I think it was like Aaron Andrews or somebody, some sideline reporter, asked him, right, what do you say to Trevor Lawrence in 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 the locker room right now? He's thrown four picks in the first half. He's turning the ball over almost every single drive. What do you say to him? Doug Peterson sits there and says. Yeah, we just got to give him the confidence that he needs and just tell him, you know, make better decisions with the football. Like he he was the calmest guy ever in that situation. And Tyler nailed it on the head. That's exactly what what allowed that comeback to happen. Well, and, and I think the, the reason that I kind of started this topic off was this is a different type of win for the Jags is because you don't expect a team like this. And when we talked about this a little bit before, too, like you don't expect a team like this to be able to make a comeback like this. Right. For as as bad and you know, wallowy as the Jaguars have been for, for however long. Yeah. They had that one crazy year with Blake Bortles back in 2017. Um, But like, besides that, they've just been a bad team. They've been a bad organization. You don't expect them to, to be able to win games like this. And they have such young players, right? I mean, Trevor Lawrence, ATN, like they're all young guys and right. I mean, it proves that you wouldn't have the, when you have the right coach around them, they can, they can do some crazy things, but that was the part to me. That's really cool is like, they weren't expected to even make the playoffs. They weren't expected to win this game. They were underdogs in the game to begin with. And then, then they make this crazy comeback. And it's like, I think the, the, the cult, you can see the culture shifting like before your very eyes uh, with this Jags team, which I think is really great. And, and I think that will only serve them well going into the future. Right. I mean, that's kind of why I'm saying they're playing with house money. They're not, nobody, nobody is expecting them. They don't have any expectations so they can go out there and, and shock the world. Right. Maybe beat the chiefs, maybe make it to that AFC championship. Uh, like Tyler was talking about switching over to the bills and the dolphins game. Um, obviously we talked about the beginning. It's, it was, it was closer than a lot of people would have thought, especially with Skylar Thompson, the third string quarterback starting for the dolphins. And realistically the dolphins could have won this game. And, and that's something that we said as well. Uh, penalties, false starts, delay, games interceptions you know kind of kind of ended up doing it in uh, for the Dolphins but they were so close and really in this game for for a lot of them I mean they were down they went down to 17 nothing and then pretty much from there on uh it, it was it was kind of like wait they can actually win this thing and so the question coming out of this though is is more big picture for me at least Tua if he would have played this game he would have won this game right I mean just the the as well, Skylar Thompson did play pretty good. I'll give him that, right? I mean, he, he threw it well. Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, they dropped a lot of balls. So that wasn't just, you know, wasn't just on Skylar Thompson. And he did play, he played better than, than we thought, or at least better than he did in week 18 against the Jets, uh, to, to you know, in a game that he needed to win to make the playoffs in the first place. But if Tua plays this game, he wins, right? I, I, I'm i convinced. It was, I mean, the, the, the spread would have been shorter. They only lost by three points. You're telling me that Tua wouldn't have, wouldn't have driven down like, you know, 30 or 40 more yards on one of those drives to get a field goal or a touchdown. I think he would have done it. But I think coming out of this we have to say that and that was the story all year is that when they had Tua they won and when they didn't have Tua they lost so but, but he's just been so injured and I mean this goes all the way back to Alabama like when he had all the hip injuries and coming out of coming out of college and oh you know is he worth a first round pick because he's so injury prone and and obviously you know this year it was the concussion stuff which is we, we always want to be careful about because we see what happens when players play too much with concussions and you know, he's, he, well, I think he even had like a re, reinvigoration of the hip injury last year too. So th- I think that's kind of the, my, my perspective coming out of this is like, it's a good, or, you know, good effort, I guess, by the dolphins. They kind of showed that, that they do have the talent on the team to be able to go up against a, a you know, a powerhouse like the bills in Buffalo and, and almost win a playoff game that they had no, no business, no business even like being close in, but obviously, okay. Tua, Tua is going to make your team better, but the question is, can like, Will they even, I mean, I don't even know. I mean, it's like, you know, 
do you can you risk him with so many injuries that he's already had going forward? You know, is this team ever going to be the same, or, or can it ever reach its maximum potential with Tua as the starter going forward? Can it do it? I think no. And here's why: it's called Tua turned the ball over, and the reason why I say Tua turned the ball over is because did y'all not watch him on Christmas Day? Did you not watch him on Christmas Day against those Green Bay Packers? They had those Green Bay Packers beat, and he threw three interceptions back-to-back. It's Tua turned the ball over. Now, I respect Tua. He's a good quarterback out of Alabama, but he just has he has weapons, and he doesn't know when and when not to turn the ball over. But also, I feel bad for him with his three concussions. I respect him. He is a human being. I hope he gets better. If I'm the Dolphins, you need to keep Skylar Thompson. Okay, he's out of Kansas State. Please keep him. He is very, very good. Uh, you might want to keep Teddy Bridgewater too, okay? First of all, do I think they were going to win? No, because Buffalo's the better team. Did you not see, I think it was the day before the Christmas game, they played on Saturday night or something, and this, they Buffalo won by like a field goal in the snow in Orchard Park. I'm just not sure what the Dolphins are. Okay, they have talent on the outside, like you said, but they're unpredictable. Like, for some reason, the Dolphins can't beat the Packers nor the Bills, but they can easily beat the Patriots. I, I, I don't know why. But the game in NFL is called matchups. So if Tua was in there regardless, and all these Dolphins fans, these stupid Dolphins fans saying, oh, what if they won? No, I don't think they would have won because Buffalo is stronger. They have a better defense. They have a top five scoring defense in the NFL. Mike McDowell is young, but he's inexperienced when it comes to the playoffs, and the false starts really hurt them. Did they have a chance to win with Skylar Thompson? Yes. But whether they scored that touchdown or not, Josh Allen is the reason why he is one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL. So, no, I don't believe in Tua was going to come in and win the game. That's why his name is Tua Turn the Ball Over. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. And I, you guys know me. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm kind of a Tua hater. And again, like Tyler said, I, I hate to it, – it's, it's not really my place to hate on him anymore because of the situation that he's in right now with these concussions and, and what's happened to him this season. I think that that Green Bay game, when Tyler mentioned it, the, uh, the three interceptions in the second half of that game, which ultimately led to the Packers being able to pull that game out, which they should have won, right? Um, they were in the lead for so long. But I think that that was also a – they people were saying that that was kind of a result of him, like, hitting his head in the first half. And then in the second half, he came out, and people said that he was, like, dazed and couldn't really make – good decisions. I don't know. I mean, that may, that, that may be wrong, but hey, he did. Hey, he didn't play another game after that. So to be fair, it might be, that, that might be part of it, but right. I think what we should be talking about here is, and people aren't talking about this enough, but I think he's had what, I, I think he's had three total concussions, maybe, maybe only two, but either way, I mean, Luke Keekley, if you guys remember him, he, he was a uh, linebacker for the Panthers he had three concussions in one season and he ended up retiring because of that, like solely because he didn't want to get another concussion. And right. Doctors are probably here telling Tua, like, dude, if you get another concussion, you know, even if it's early next season, like getting two concussions in a year is bad, bad news. Getting three concussions in the span of like three or four months is more than bad news. So that, I mean, I, I feel bad for Tua, but like, 
he's in a position here where his career might be over. And I think that Tyler's right. I think they should keep Skylar Thompson and Teddy Bridgewater to kind of have those two guys as, as, as the reserves for that team. But is this team going to be really, really good in the future, even with Tua? I think not because, right, Tyler said it too. Like you're not really – you're not going to get – the best that you can get that you that you can get out of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle out of those speedster guys with two attack of throwing the ball and you know not even being a, being able to throw like a 50 yard pass down the field right his arm strength is not there he's accurate he's good at those underneath throws on the drag routes and Tyreek Hill is good at taking those for six but that you can only do that so many times on a team until they kind of figure you out so um I, I think that it, yeah I think that the Dolphins are kind of in a stagnant place right now. And it's, it's hard, it's hard to tell where they're going, but this next thing we're going to talk about is the bills who they also, who they played um, in the, in the wild card round. And the question here is were the bills just looking past this game or are they overrated? I think it's a pretty simple answer here. I think we've kind of given our opinion, you know, I, I guess to a point, but um, I think here I'm, I'm going to say that they're not overrated. Um, I think that they were looking past this game. I think anybody would have, if you're, I mean, it, it doesn't matter who, what team you are. If you're playing against Skylar Thompson, the third string quarterback on a, on a Dolphins team that was kind of struggling as of late uh, in the regular season, there's no way that you're not looking past this wild card round when you're one of the best teams in the NFL and you're one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl and have been all season. There's no way that you weren't looking past this game. I'm a realist and I'm going to sit here and say it. I don't think that they're overrated, the Bills. I I was scared what how they you know when when they were losing or when they were about to lose but like I don't think that they're overrated I think that they can still have a really really good chance of beating the Bengals and I think and honestly I'm I'm going to say it right now the winner of the Bengals and the Bills this Bengals Bills game that coming up I think that the winner of that is going to go to is, is going to take the Super Bowl by storm and I think that they're going to win the Super Bowl so it, so if the Bills come out of it they're going to win the Super Bowl if the Bengals come out of it they're going to win the Super Bowl I think that that's kind of just where we're at at this point, but that's my take on it. Well, I think you're wrong with everything, Hayden. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, yes, I think it's both. I think the Bills did overlook this game because they knew that they were going to be able to win. They beat Miami, you know, with Tua, as, as, as Tyler was talking about, in the snow and everything. And now that they're playing their third-string quarterback, of course you're going to win at home and, and, and everything like that. Okay, great. Uh, but the, the problems that I – and again, when we made our playoff predictions, I well, first of all, Kudos to me because I got five out of the six games right that were played uh, this past weekend. And I said, I said, well, I mean, because we went through the whole thing. I had the Bills playing the Bengals and I said the Bengals were going to win. And and it was because the Bills defense has just fallen off so much. It's nothing to do with Josh Allen, even though he has really kind of, you know, he can just completely kind of go out of control sometimes and, and throw some some crazy interceptions and everything like that. Um, but the defense is just lacking so, so many guys and it's, it's good, right? It's, it's okay, but it's, I, it's not, their defense is not as good as they were last year. Um, and I think that, you know, obviously you've you lost Von Miller, you know, at the beginning of the season, he, allows your team to get if you get a pass rush with four guys that's like a key to the Super Bowl right there and and he allowed them to do that he's no longer there at Oliver still really great but you know if you're gonna have to blitz more you're gonna have to take more linebackers out of coverage you know that that, that just allows more passing teams like the bill or like the Bengals like the Chiefs teams that they're gonna be playing in the rest of the playoffs who pass the ball all the time and have very you know are, are really successful at doing that so I think the Bills are are a little bit overrated it just because of their defense, man. And and I don't know. I mean, they're favored by five points. The, the spreads came out. They're favored by five points against the Bengals this season or this uh, this week. Obviously, it's at home. They're a playoff game. You know, it's kind of they're, they're the team of destiny right now. But I still think the Bengals can do it. And, and just because, like, 
I, I just don't think, I think the Bills, the Bills defense has been tested enough to where we've seen the holes, but Josh Allen's able to kind of bring them back because of how talented he is. But if he makes too many mistakes against a, a team that's actually legit, like, like the Bengals, who has a good defense, who has, you know, obviously, you know, so much talent on offense, those little mistakes become bigger, you know, bigger ones. And, and I think that that, that, mo- that will show itself in, in this weekend's game uh, uh, here as well. So, so Tyler, what do you got on the Bills? <laughs> well, it's, it's both. Here's why it's both. The Bills is overrated. I don't like the Bills. They overlooked this game because the Dolphins, I thought the Dolphins would get blown out. In the first, second quarter, it was 17-0. They came back. The score ahead, I think, was 20-17. Okay? Now, do I think Josh Allen's a good quarterback? Yes. I've said on Total Post Sports that he was probably the best quarterback in the NFLs right now. But longevity, I think Josh Allen is going to be an injury-prone quarterback. And here's why. The Bills don't have a run game, ladies and gentlemen. They don't run the ball well at all. They're going to let Josh Allen be the hero and just throw the ball too many times. You're going to have too many turnovers. And he can run, but I have a feeling if they go further late in the playoffs, he's going to take some hits. Now I want to go back to the, the cancellation of the game because if this cancellation of the game didn't happen, this matchup wouldn't happen either. I think the Cincinnati Bengals probably would have been the number one seed if this game weren't getting canceled because I had the Bengals beating those sorry Bills because, you know, the Patriots were still competing for the playoffs, of course. But I'm not confident in the Bills' run game. What I'm going to say here is probably going to be facts. The team that are going to win the Super Bowl can get to the Super Bowl is the team that runs the football. I'm all about running the football. And the last time I checked, I think uh, the rushing yards is probably maybe about 60 or maybe less than that, and maybe the quarterback ran a few. But when you can't run the football, you're not going to win the Super Bowl. And the Bills are going to be the team they were last year. They have a good regular season record. They beat the Chiefs. Congratulations. But they can't beat teams when it matters. And I can't wait for them to fold because I'm putting Joe Burrow, and I'm going to say this, Joe Burrow is a better quarterback than Josh Allen. Go Bills. I mean, go Bengals. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I don't, I don't know, Tyler. I usually agree with with most of the things that you have to say, if not everything. But I don't know, man. That's that, that's a pretty hot take. The next thing that we're going to talk about is is the Vikings here. So we've got the Vikings that played the Giants. Giants ended up winning. Um, I so I if the Vikings would have won this game, I would have gotten six and zero on the weekend, and I am kind of sad that I didn't do that. But the Vikings were pretty close to winning. I mean, let's be honest, like the, the the Giants kind of came back or not really came back. I mean, the Vikings were winning. I think they took the lead like twice in this game. And then the Giants came back towards the end and they kind of put it out of reach. And the Vikings ended up it. I think it ended up being uh, a loss that was like that looked worse than it should have been or that looked worse than it should have. Um, I think that the Vikings played a pretty good game. The Their defense, as always, kind of just sold them their offense was pretty good. I mean, their, their offense, like with Kirk cousins, didn't really make many mistakes. I don't think like i watched, uh, you know, most of this game and he, it didn't look like he was playing too bad. It didn't look like he was the prime time Kirk that everybody talks of or speaks of, but I mean, TJ Hawkinson, I, th- I think that this guy, I think that TJ Hawkinson is like probably one of the biggest stories coming out of the season for the, for the Vikings. That was one of the best pickups they could have made mid season. I mean, this guy has just been so productive for the Vikings and alongside a guy like Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, Adam Thielen's kind of fallen off since I think TJ Hawkinson has kind of taken over that role that Adam Thielen once had on this team. And you got, you got a guy like Justin Jefferson, who's arguably the best receiver in the league. I mean, th- this Vikings team is really, really good. And I think that they needed to run the ball a little bit more 
the Giants run defense was surprisingly good. I actually tweeted out on first on rundown Twitter that I thought that the Vikings were going to spam the run game. I thought that Dalvin cook was going to get like 30 carries, but that ended up not happening. And the Giants run defense was actually pretty good. So they had an answer for what I guess everybody thought the the Vikings were going to do, which was run the ball because the Giants run defense across the season hasn't been too good. Um, they've been in like the bottom fifth of the league, I think, um, in run defense. But the, their pass defense is pretty good, and it seemed that the Vikings were able to pass the ball better than run or more than run the ball. And it was just kind of a weird dynamic there. So I think that's kind of what contributed to this loss for the Vikings. Again, unfortunate. There was some parts throughout the game where I thought I was going to be right, and I thought I was going to, you know, kind of surprise everybody with that pick because I heard a lot of other people pick the Giants as well. But um, I was, yeah, I was pretty disappointed by that. But it's all right. I think that the Vikings, you know, are they frauds and are can they do this thing again next year? I don't, I, I don't know. I don't think that they can do the same thing next year because I think the Lions are actually going to win that division next year. So that's kind of a hot take there. But um, but I'm, I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave it with that, and I'm going to maybe hand it over to Matt here to talk more about the Vikings and how fraudulent they are yeah i mean it, it's so funny that they go 11 and 0 in one score games in the regular season and what do we have here a one score game and they're 0 and 1 and it's when it matters most in the playoffs at home as the number three seed against the other fraudulent team in the giants I think that just shows it right and i think i'm just i'm glad that it finally came to fruition i'm glad that everything all the close wins all the comebacks everything that they've gone through in the regular season kind of led to this point and and it and it really kind of did satisfy itself obviously i'm a packers fan so i don't like the vikings because they're in my division and they beat the packers in the first game of the season and then it's they still won the division every whatever so it's fine um but realistically i think the viking and, and this is why about the question i i honestly could see them doing this again i think that their offense is very potent their offense is good kirk cousins runs it as well as he can they have justin jefferson i think justin jefferson i think he should win mvp like i think he's the reason that they're even in these games to begin with they have talent sure but you know tj Hawkinson, okay whatever but justin jefferson is the guy there but Kirk Cousins is not. And, and I think that's the like the epitome of this game. And then everybody you saw all the memes and everything is that it comes down to a fourth and eight and he checks it down to TJ Hawkins and two yards across the line of scrimmage, basically throwing him out of bounds. And that's that's the end of the season. And it's like this is the last throw of your entire football season. And Justin Jefferson, it looks like Justin Jefferson was a little bit open, even if he's not throw it to the guy. He makes plays. He can make something happen. But no, let's just check it down uh, two yards in front of me. So I think that just. That just summarizes the Vikings, and I'm, I'm just glad they lost. Well, I, I'm just – the ladies and gentlemen, first of all, the Vikings are the Vikings. They haven't done nothing since the, the Minnesota Miracle, okay, back in 2017. Now, Kirk Cousins isn't a good quarterback, okay? That's why his record, I think, a couple weeks ago was like 11-23-1 in prime time. They're talking about prime time Kirk. He ain't no prime time Kirk. Here's why he's not prime time Kirk. Now, here's the reason why. I'm going to go back because I don't think the Vikings should have got rid of Case Keenum. Remember that year in 2017 where Case Keenum took him to the NFC Championship game and nobody expected the guy to come in and take him to the NFC Championship game. And then they got rid of him. Then they got worse. Then they got somewhat okay. They got rid of the coach. They're okay. Okay, they got Kevin O'Connell. Okay, Kevin O'Connell was the quarterback's coach for the Rams. He was also a former player for Bill Belichick back in 2008. Okay, it comes down to just experience. Brian Dable's been around, but also his D.C. is Wink Martindale who came from the Ravens. It comes out to experience. I'm not sold with the Vikings, okay? And here's why. You give up 31 points to the Giants. You give up 40 points to the Cowboys. 40 points to the Cowboys. 40. So, so between two of those NFC East teams, you, you gave up 70 points. 
71 points. I'm not confident in the offensive line. The offensive line is very suspect. And also the head coach, Kevin O'Connell, mentioned a couple weeks ago when they lost to the Green Bay Packers, I forgot they, they, they got 41 against Green Bay too. So we can add those numbers as well, that their defense is predictable. They have a predictable defense. I I mean, it's, it's so predictable. I mean, they got, they'll got they get beat on deep plays. They get beat on jet sweeps and all this other stuff. And and you're right. He threw it three yards or a fourth. And I'm like, what are you thinking? You try not to turn the ball over? But what happened when the Vikings played the Bills? He throws in a triple coverage to Justin Jefferson, and he catches the jump. Like, this this, this stuff is really just insane to me. I'm not so on the Vikings. They won't come back next year. They won't do it. Okay, they'll probably have a decent record. They might go, what, 11 and 6. They're not going to be no 13 and 3 or 13 and 4 like they were this past year. Okay, the Vikings, the Vikings, I think they had a very lucky year. And as long as they get they, – they're going to keep Kirk Cousins because they're winning games. But I'm not sold on the Vikings. And to be honest, who wins the division? I'm going to say Detroit Lions win the division next year. There you go. Hey, I, I'm telling you, it's, a, you know, the, the Detroit uh, illness is spreading, I guess. Well, it's, it's not really an illness, but it's um, yes. But uh, yeah, we're going to move on to the Giants here and we're going to talk about the Giants a little bit. Again, the, the Vikings and the Giants, we, we Matt and I said it in our last episode talking about playoffs and, and making our playoffs picks that this game was the battle of the frauds and the battle of the bads in the playoffs. And so the Giants, obviously, we have the kind of the same opinion on them that we do on the Vikings. And that's that, right. They are, they, they just aren't that good. They're going to get absolutely crushed by they're playing the, they're playing the Eagles now, I guess, in the, in the divisional round. So they're going to get absolutely crushed by the Eagles. And I, maybe we can make this a sound bite, but like, if that doesn't happen, then I don't know what this playoffs run is, but, um, but yeah, basically like the, the giants, they have the same kind of thing. They don't have any wide receivers. That's, part of our topic today is, is asking whether they'll be better with wide receivers. And I don't know. I mean, I, I think that to start off with the, with the giants here, we got to talk about Saquon Barkley. He's one of the reasons why the giants have been good all year. I mean, he stayed healthy. This is the first year that he stayed healthy basically since he entered the league, I think. And, you know, he's been able to stay healthy the whole entire year. Basically. I don't know how many games he's missed, if any. So like, that that's a huge factor in this, in this offense. Daniel Jones is also like Mr. Wheels. I mean, this guy just, because this guy averages like 70 rush yards a game and he just, he's like, his name is Daniel Jones. I mean, what, <laughs> like, what, what are we doing here? But, uh, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's a really good runner, but he's not the best passer. And I guess we don't really know the full potential of his passing game because right. He doesn't have receivers, but I'm going to pose this question out to Tyler first, do we think that if the that if the Giants do get receivers, are they going to be better, or is it basically just Saquon Barkley carrying this team and Daniel Jones running after, you know, not having his first first read there? Daniel Jones running, not having his first read. Now I understand Daniel Jones been in the league for four or five years. Has been through two head coaches and about four offensive coordinators. Now Daniel Jones, I know they call him Vanilla Vic or. Vanilla Ice and Daniel Jones ain't no Vanilla Ice. Okay, Daniel Jones, I think, is a sorry quarterback. He is not good. The only reason why they made the playoffs is because of Saquon Barkley, and they made the playoffs because of their defense and Wink Martindale. Okay, the defense used to be bad before Brian Dable got it. The defense was bad. Okay, they went in because of the defense of Saquon Barkley and the running up for the coach of the year, Brian Dable. Okay, he's worked under Nick Saban. 
he's worked under Belichick. That's the only reason why they're in the playoffs. Daniel Jones ain't got to throw the ball very much, okay? All Daniel Jones got to do is throw slant routes, okay? Those slant routes and run off, QB draw, up the middle. I don't know. I mean, it's not hard. If he gets receivers, I mean, the question is, how much is the Giants' salary cap after this season? That's the question. The salary cap is very important, and if they have a salary cap, they'll probably do it. And it, has, it depends on the draft, I guess. And just we'll have to wait and see what happens after this year. We, we can't predict the future as far as that. But I don't think, like I said, I give Daniel Jones credit for not turning the ball over. He's only had five interceptions this past year and 20 passing touchdowns because, like I said, they don't pass the ball a lot. But I still don't think Daniel Jones is a good quarterback. And coaching does matter. So Brian Dable, as of right now, is doing a good job. They made the playoffs for the first time since – 2016 when Ben McAdoo was the head coach. So I, I give them credit for coaching, but Daniel Jones sucks and he's not good. With Saquon Barkley. I, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Tyler, talking about the salary cap and everything. I mean, looking big picture for this Giants team, you know, right. That that's that's what this comes down to is if you're gonna because here's the thing, all right. Daniel Jones is on the fifth, it's, it's, it's his fifth year. And so what happens is after your four-year rookie contract is over, the team can either pick up your option basically pay you or they can decline your option have you play another year for whatever you were getting paid from before and then give you a deal or not based on whatever you're doing or a franchise tag whatever there's there's options right so what happened was going into this year the giants declined his fifth year option meaning that well this is his fourth year he he, he wouldn't get the uh the option to be picked up and, and paid like a first round quarterback next year right so what they're going to do is they're going to either have to pay him or they're going to have to cut him and after what we've just experienced now a lot of people are saying you're going to have to pay him, but I think that is the problem. And I think that's exactly what Tyler Brady was bringing up here is the fact that if you pay Daniel Jones and the amount of money that these quarterbacks are getting paid nowadays, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of hit to the salary cap. So that's that. I think that becomes the problem for the giants is this is a great season, right? This is a great result, way more than we could have ever expected uh, for this team. in in its first year with a new head coach, like, there's a lot of upside, you know, that, that we can look to here. And the fact that they don't have a great, I mean, they have pieces on defense. They don't have a great defense. They don't have any receiver. They've got practice squad receivers, but here's the deal. You still have Daniel Jones on a rookie contract and you don't have any receivers and you're making it work. Now, if they do have a lot of extra money, they'll be able to spend. Okay. They can, they can pay Daniel Jones. They can go get receivers. I don't know what the situation is looking like, looking like right now, but I would imagine that you can't give Daniel Jones a hundred million dollar guaranteed contract on top of whatever else you're going to get for however many years. Cause that's what people are saying. Tyler's going crazy over here, but that's what people are saying uh, 80 to hundred million. That's a lot of money. Right. And so there, if you pay him all that money, okay, great. And you may have a result like this, but like, if you're not going to get any help on the outside and no receivers, you continue with these with these practice squad receivers. You, that, that, I, I think there's just a cap to what this Giants team can do, even despite Brian Dable being an amazing coach and everything like and and you know Kayvon Thibodeau's you know impressing and, and he's doing really well. Um, you know they have good defensive backs, but I think that's kind of the, the ceiling for this Giants team is that there 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 really is kind of a hard ceiling. I don't see them, you know, like we were talking about the Jaguars earlier, right? Like a team that really has no ceiling like they could they could legitimately if they keep all the pieces they keep getting better um you know chris peter chris peterson as the doug peterson keep saying chris peterson doug peterson as the head coach that can be a super bowl winning team in a matter of years here the giants though like because of the way their expenditure is working and who knows i mean they might have to trade away jake barkley right which obviously that's kind of the heart of their team too so it's going to be interesting what they do in the future here i just i i think that it's good for them to have a good season now but 
I don't see this success really like extending much beyond a couple of years here because there's going to be a lot of people that they have to either sign or let go. And, and if they do sign, some people let go of other people who might be really important because right now I think it's just working out and it's, it's great. It's great to see it, but, but I don't see it for the future. So moving on to the, the, the last game on Sunday, which was the Bengals and the Ravens, obviously we kind of had, you know, the Ravens were, or sorry, the Bengals are pretty heavy favorites because the biggest news coming out of this was that Lamar Jackson wasn't there. He wasn't playing for the team. He actually, he didn't even travel with the team. He was, he was sitting at home. And so it's, it's very interesting. I even said it on the last podcast, I'm like, the, the question comes down to, is he actually hurt or is he holding out? Now it's probably a combination of both because Yes, he wants to get paid. He wants to get his money. He sees the the contracts that these other quarterbacks are getting paid. And I think he's worth it. I think the Ravens are stupid for not paying. Like, how do you not? He is the heart and soul of your team. He's the only reason that, because that shows it, right? The last five games of the season when Tyler Huntley was playing, they were all right, but they they lost a bunch of games. They, well, I guess, I mean, technically they could have won the game against the, against the Bengals this weekend. And if it wasn't for Tyler Huntley fumbling, then they probably they pretty well would have won. But I think that's that's the thing is that in, in that case, Lamar doesn't do that type of stuff. Um, I think you have to pay Lamar. And I, I, I think it's a bad look that he wasn't there because for, for both sides, right? Like for the Ravens, can, can we at least have some sort of agreement that he's going to be around your team to at least help your other quarterbacks out? You know, like look at the tablets, watch what's happening on, on, you know, on film and everything like that. Like clearly Lamar Jackson is a very better version of, of Tyler Huntley. If you can have him in the sidelines, it'll at least help your team uh, to some extent. But I think it's just a weird situation and, and, and the Ravens are a really good team. We saw how good they were during the regular season when Lamar was there. They're, they're just clearly so much worse without him. I think that everybody's seen that. I think the, that proves to the Ravens now that they are a lot worse without him. It's just going to come down to with that, whatever they end up doing with his contract. He's his own agent. He's representing himself. He's going to want a lot of money and I think he's worth it. So um, I think that's kind of the, the, the outcome of this Ravens team, which is, you know, right. A playoff team, a good team, but, Lamar's the one that got them to the playoffs and he's the kind of the reason that they didn't win this playoff game. So uh, I think it was right there for the take. And uh, Tyler, what do you got on the Ravens? Uh, well, first of all, I love Lamar Jackson. He's from Louisville. He's a very good quarterback, but before he got hurt, ladies and gentlemen, the Ravens before he got hurt, the Ravens blew about four fourth quarter leads four fourth quarter leads while he was playing. And I want to go back to last season. I know he was hurt last season as well, but didn't the Ravens last year start with eight and three and lost six straight games? Six straight games. You start see, it doesn't matter how you start, it matters how you finish. Now I'm gonna tell you the key teams the Ravens should have beat them in the playoffs. Wow, they had Lamar Jackson. They should have beat the Bills. Okay, they should have beat the Giants. I don't know how you lose to the Giants. They should have beat the Giants. Okay, uh, what what else? What else should it be? Should it be Jacksonville? Okay, that's 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 the game I watched. Jacksonville. They had certain teams before Lamar got hurt that they should have beat. Of course, they can't, you know, they can't beat the Steelers. I don't know what the problem is with Steelers. And then they lose to the Bengals, what, two, three times this past year, you know. So that certain teams they should beat. Now, Lamar Jackson, I get that he's his own agent, but he's injury prone quarterback. Okay. When you're a running quarterback, you get hurt more. He has a sprained PCL. Okay. A sprained PCL, which is not good. I know people would tell him, oh, go ahead and play on it. Well, Robert Griffin III posted out on Twitter about his little, you know, his knee brace. You don't want to play under that because where's Robert Griffin III out of the NFL? If Lamar Jackson plays it safe, listen to his doctor say it's going to hear by February or whatever the amount says, that's fine. Now, Lamar Jackson wants Deshaun Watson money. I don't think you deserve Deshaun Watson money. 
And Deshaun Watson had about 60 massage therapists, but we're not going to get there. But Lamar Jackson probably should get the Dak Prescott contract if if I were to sign him long-term. I don't want to know. He does not deserve no $253, $300 million guarantee because his why. Lamar Jackson can't throw the football. Now, Lamar Jackson has been in play, I think, two, three times, and we see him in the playoffs. He can't throw the football when it matters. The Ravens offense under Greg Roman, which he did under the 49ers, under Colin Kaepernick, is designed to run the ball first. Now, when you need to throw the ball, you struggle. Now, Colin Kaepernick is a better thrower than Lamar Jackson, but Lamar Jackson is not accurate when you need him to be accurate. If the Ravens are down 10 like they were against the Bengals, you need them to throw the ball. Tyler Huntley can't throw. Lamar Jackson can't throw either. The Ravens team is built to play in front. When the Ravens get behind, they're going to lose. So is Lamar Jackson the future? I don't know. Is he hurt? Is he holding out? He's doing both. But I think Lamar Jackson might get traded. They might get rid of him. That's my prediction. They might get rid of him, and the Ravens go find somebody else. That's my prediction. I think it's time to stop speculating about whether Lamar is holding out or if he's actually hurt. I think that, I mean, cause you're never really going to find an answer to that. A lot of people will say he's holding out because right. He didn't travel with the team to Cincinnati for this playoff game. And while he should have, I mean, it's a sprained PCL. It's not like, I mean, we've seen guys with like torn ACLs on the crutches on, on the sidelines at the game. Right. So it's like, he could have been there if he really wanted to be, but he didn't want to be obviously. And that says something to, his motives. But I think for us, we need to stop speculating. We just need to admit, right? Like, like Tyler said, they can really only run the football. Like even when he's playing, that's what this, this team does best. And yes, he can throw the football sometimes and he can make throws that, that look good at, at, at points. But I don't think he's, I still don't think that he is the complete quarterback that he really needs to be for this team to win a Super Bowl, Right. And this is something that this is actually going back to what Tyler said earlier that, I totally blanked on, but I was going to argue with him when he said that uh, the the San Francisco 49ers are going to, or he said that the, whoever runs the ball best or whoever runs the ball well in this playoff field will win the Super Bowl. I don't quite know if that's true. And I think that that's the Ravens problem is because like, yeah, they can get to the playoffs because they run the ball well and they have a pretty decent defense and Lamar can throw the ball well enough, but they can't pass the ball at an elite level. And so they're never really going to win the Super Bowl with Lamar at, at this level, right? If he stays at this level, which I think he will with these injuries, I don't know if he's going to develop that much with, with how much he's getting injured and right. He's just going to keep on wanting to run because he has no receivers. And if you give him this big deal, you're not going to be able to pay receivers. Like you're not going to be able to bring in big, big time receivers to help him out in the, in the passing game. Right. So if you give him a huge deal, you're kind of just hurting yourself because you're just going to stay stagnant in this, just circular motion of like, oh, we can really only run the ball well. And is that really going to get us that far? Or is it more of a passing league now? And we need a guy that's going to be able to pass the ball. And in order to, for a guy to be able to pass the ball, he needs receivers that are good or good enough. You know, we can't have Demarcus Robinson be the number one guy on your team, right? Like that's, that's not what we're going to have. And Mark Andrews, you could argue is, is the number one on that team too. He gets hurt a lot too. Like he got hurt a good amount this season. So with how injury prone this team is and with, with all the problems that you, that Lamar getting a huge deal poses, I think that he's not going to say yes to a deal to a DAC deal. I think that he should get a, a DAC size deal, but I don't think he's going to say yes to that. And I think that he's, he'd rather leave and go to another team because he knows he can start somewhere else. And he knows that other teams are going to want him 
So he'd rather do that than stay with the Ravens where he has no receivers and and will continue to not have any receivers if he gets this big long-term deal. So I don't know. I, I think that that's kind of what where we need to set this conversation at. It's not like, is he holding out or is he actually hurt? I think it's like, well, the future of this team is, is, is what's important. And I don't, I don't think that this, that this team is really going in the right direction. If they do give him a big contract, I think that they need to let him go again. He's a great player. I'm not downsizing how good of a player he is. I think he's awesome. I'm a huge Lamar fan. I just don't think that the Ravens are in a very good position to, to keep him. And I think that they, they need to let him go, which is kind of the reality of sports in, in general. So that's, it's kind of cool to see that connection there, but this uh, this Ravens team did lose to the Bengals, and our Bengals question here that I'm going to pose to Tyler is the Bengals lost another offensive lineman in this past game against the Ravens, and so now they're uh, only playing with two starters uh, f- from the beginning of the season, and three guys that have been reserves on the sidelines for most of the season are coming in on this Bengals offensive line. Could this lead to the same demise as last year where their offensive line was basically just broken like their offensive line was the the glaring problem of their team and Joe Burrow came to a point where he couldn't really save the game by himself are we in that same era of the Bengals this year um well this is a different Bengals team um we will not know until the Bills game we will not know until the Bills game because the Bills like I said have a top five scoring defense um we understand that they don't have Vaughn Miller on the other side and they have and Oliver still for the Bills. But I think for the Bengals, they're just going to have to find a way to win. You're going to have to get somebody off that practice squad and really get those reps in this week because you're going to play the Buffalo Bills, the game that should have not been canceled. They had a chance to beat them. The only way in order not to get your O-line hurt is you're going to have to really throw the ball quick. Joe Burrow's going to have to throw some screens. You're going to have to run the ball more efficiently than you. You're going to have to run the ball more than you want to pass. You might have to be 50-50 or you might have to be about 60-40 when it comes to the run. I think the Bengals, like I said, they're going to go to the Super Bowl. I think they're going to beat the the Bills. Um, but we won't – as far as this question, we will not figure out until Saturday or Sunday happens. We will not figure out. But there's going to – there is some weaknesses in that O-line uh, before the before those two offensive linemen got hurt. But my, my thing is we will have to see what happens against the Bills. Yeah, I in- – my thing is that the, that the Bengals did this last year. Joe Burrow did it last year. Somehow with this crazy hurt offensive. Well, that, I don't even think they were hurt last year. They just had bad bad pieces on the offensive line. This year they are hurt, uh, despite kind of get getting some guys in there. Um, and I think he, I think they've already kind of developed some sort of scheme to fit that right. So we saw against the Ravens. Obviously, the Ravens defense is really good. And and, and the one thing that Joe Burrow did, and they mentioned on the broadcast a couple times, was that. He, he was he wasn't even taking his time like he would drop back maybe two or three steps max and he get the ball out he get the ball he get the ball out and it worked and and you could say you know right the Ravens technically should have won that game it was a 14 point swing on that Tyler Huntley uh you know fumble and everything but I think they did what they were supposed to do or what they had planned to do. And I think they can continue that. And the here's the thing too, is that the Ravens defense is way better than the bills. Right. So as we've been saying, kind of this whole episode, they're going to have a better chance against the bills to at least, you know, have some more time to, 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 to keep Joe Burrow in the pocket. He'll have more options downfield. The bills defensive backs are, I think they're kind of hit or miss, you know, they got some big names out there, but they're not exactly like, I don't think they perform as, you know, as well as they should on really every play. And, and obviously the, the, the Bengals receivers, probably have the three best receivers, you know, best receiving core three, you know, top three guys in the, in the whole league. So 
I think the Bills are going to find success against the Bills. I've already said that. Um, and I think that Joe Burrow can kind of just find a way. Because at the end of the day, like with a lot of these teams, like if your defense is struggling or if your offensive line is struggling or whatever, but you have one of these guys at quarterback that you know that can just do it, it's kind of like, all right, that's all right. You know, like we we can deal with kind of this, this limitation on our team because we have an, an absolute X factor in someone who can completely hide that limitation uh, because of how good he is at the quarterback position, which is obviously the most kind of, you know, important quarterback or quarterback is the most important position in football. So moving on to the last game, this is kind of just, a, you know, wrapping up our recap here. A um, couple questions going over the, the, the bucks and the, and the Cowboys bucks first, because they lost and they're out. And, and obviously, you know, the, the big story coming out of this is that Brady is, what is he going to do? Right. Is he going to retire like he did last year? because of the divorce and everything he's just going to keep on playing if he does keep playing does he stay with the bucks does he go somewhere else i've already seen that there's betting lines on like you can bet where tom brady's what what team he's going to be on next um you know, like obviously, right. The Patriots are still there. The Dolphins, the Jets, the, the, the Raiders, um, you know, all these teams, but it's like, that's the story coming out of this game. And, and I think kind of the question is like, you know, what went wrong. Right. And, and in my opinion, I think he had a perfect situation with the Bucs. He won the Super Bowl two years ago, right? Now, obviously, they got really in- lucky with injuries. Their defense was amazing. They've given away a lot of those pieces because you can't really end up paying all those guys once you've won a Super Bowl with them. Um, but I think that – and, and it goes back to what we're – I mean, Hayden, Hayden and Tyler are going back and forth about the running game thing, and I think this is the biggest example of a running game that just – the Bucs have n- – it's non-existent. Brady – this is the craziest stat that might have been of the entire NFL season. Tom Brady threw – well, attempted the most passes in NFL history this year. Obviously, right, we moved to the 17-game system and whatever. But, like, this is the older, oldest quarterback in NFL history, and he threw the most passes in NFL history in one season? What? Like, he was – and obviously, it's Tom Brady, right? So if anybody's going to be doing it, you'd want him to be doing it. But, like, that's because there's no running game. And if there's no run, like, even a guy like Tom Brady needs some sort of help with the running game, and they always had that in New England, right? That was one of Bill Belichick's things was, we're going to run the ball first. We'll have open running backs in the, you know, in the flats and everything to throw the, to throw the ball to in case something happens down the field or whatever. But when there is no established running game, even a guy like Tom Brady – as much as he's been throwing it can't bring back and, and just make magic happen uh you know week after week and he did in a couple of those games to end the season which ended up getting them into the playoffs in the first place but i think that was kind of the ultimate you know fate of the cowboy or the fate of the buccaneers is that they just didn't have a running game and and, and we saw that against the cowboys who you know as much as we all three of us don't really like the cowboys you know really dominated this game and i think that you know that was kind of the the point of the bucks and it's like you know are they even going to be able to win the division next year where is tom brady going to go we we still don't know but um it's just really interesting to see kind of how this team has just declined each season since they won that super bowl well brady is the greatest quarterback all time i I do respect him um well he did have a pretty off year um I, i didn't like what he did in the second quarter they had a touchdown i guess or a play they called, and he just threw an interception in the back of the end zone. The same thing he did, I think, in the Super Bowl against the Seahawks, and the same thing he did in a 2018 AFC Championship game against the Chiefs. Every time he gets to the goal line, throws an interception. Um, now, the, the Bucks had really bad injuries before the season. I think Ryan Jensen just came back, I think, for the very first time. Um, the Bucks are just average. They were 8-9 in the NFC least, NFC South. But the NFC South least because that division was bad. I mean, Carolina was at seven and ten. The Saints was at seven and ten. I mean, I can go on. Uh, where do I think Brady's going to go? I don't know. Miami or Vegas? Vegas, Josh McDaniels, Miami. I don't know. Maybe because he might have some relation with Mike McDaniel. Um, but 
I think Brady has more to give. I think it's a very stressful situation. Um, I understand that he said in the press, he said, thank you, Tampa, and all this other stuff. But there's a lot of people that say thank you and all the other stuff. I don't think it really means anything until it happens. Um, I'm not sure with the whole Brady thing. Um, actions speak louder than words. If Tom Brady ends up staying, I'll be very, very surprised that he stays. But I guess he got offensive coordinator Brian Leftwich fired. Um, and, you know, since Tom Brady is Tom Brady, he got rid of Bruce Arians because there's reports that came out that Bruce Arians didn't like, you know, the adjustments he was making all this other stuff. So he put a big old red X. He didn't like that. So, I mean, he, he got the coach he wanted. I guess not necessarily like Josh Daniels if he goes to Vegas, but he got the control. But I guess the control didn't really work. But I mean, Brady's next team is going to be a bigger deal. We just have to see where it is. And remember, he has that TV contract with Fox, a 10 year deal worth $350 million if he wants to retire and take that money. That's true. I mean, I totally forgot about that TV deal, but you guys are right. I don't really have much else to say on this. Again, it's, it's kind of, pointless to try to speculate on when where he's going to go because we don't have that much information right now. I mean, they just got knocked out of the playoffs. And like Tyler said, everybody says thank you to the organization. And, you know, after, after a season like the Buccaneers have had, which wasn't really good at by, by any means, um, you're still going to say thank you to an organization like that. And at his age, like maybe he is just kind of playing with the media and making them think, okay, maybe I am going to retire. But yeah, I, I think that you guys kind of summed it up and I'm not really going to talk too much on the Bucks here, but I am going to talk about the Cowboys. And that's because I did pick this, this, this game uh, correctly. And I, like I said, I, before I would kind of come back on this and describe why I picked this to happen it was because I knew Tom Brady was going to throw the ball a lot. I knew that the Buccaneers were going to go out there and just spam Tom Brady. And what do the Cowboys do best? They rush the passer. Like that's, that's, that's why they won this game is because they were able to get to Tom Brady. I don't know how many, I can't remember how many sacks they had, but they had like a million quarterback pressures. And when Brady's under pressure, like he's still good, but this offense was not run to the point where they could beat the Cowboys downfield or, or anything like that. They had a couple, um, they had a couple plays here and there where like Mike Evans would get open down the sidelines or whatever. But I mean, you know, like the, the secondary was locking up to a point, but it was that pass rush that was able to get to Brady. If you want to beat this Cowboys team, you bet you got to have some kind of running game. And it's kind of unfortunate that the Bucks don't, but they could have at least tried to make some, some sort of running game out of this game, but they, they couldn't. And so they sat Tom Brady back there, put the ball in his hands almost every single play. And what happens when you do that against the Cowboys, you got Micah Parsons coming at you the whole entire game. So it's like, it's, it's, it's one of those things where, I think that it was pretty obvious what the, the Bucks were going to do coming into this game. And it's pretty obvious what the Cowboys do best on defense. And so that's, I think that's kind of what we saw in the outcome. And there's not much else to say about, um, about Dallas. Dak did throw five touchdowns and he's been really, really shaky as of late. Is, is he like a, all of a sudden a better quarterback and is he all of a sudden going to lead them on a playoff run? No. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's still Dak Prescott. Like he's still, He's shown more bad, I think, this season than he has good. And just because he threw five touchdown passes in, in in a wild card game doesn't mean that he's all of a sudden Patrick Mahomes. So I, I think that we should kind of take this with a grain of salt and and kind of you know come back to come back to earth with Dak Prescott. He's still Dak Prescott. I'm not the biggest fan of him. He's a great guy off the field, but on the field, what he produces, 
not the best. And so this Cowboys team, are they ready? Are they ready to take down a team like the 49ers? No. So I, I think the 49ers are going to crush them. And that's my prediction for the, for the next game. Uh, if you guys have anything else to say on deck, then, then go ahead. Have at it. Well, you know how I feel about those Cowboys. And I'm the biggest Cowboys haters, probably second to Stephen A. Smith. And, and, and Dak Prescott is not a top 15 quarterback, ladies and gentlemen. Dak Prescott is the most overrated quarterback along with Josh Allen. Overrated. He is not good. Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys, they always have talent. They always had the talent. Mike McCarthy. Jerry Jerome, Jerry Jones said. Jerry Jones said that Mike McCarthy was a made man. He was a made man. But that made man only won one Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. One Super Bowl with Aaron One. One. Mike McCarthy has a bigger playbook than the dictionary. It is big. And it has all these plays that don't work. He has a young genius in Kellen Moore, who is from Boise State, who was a terrible backup for the Dallas Cowboys, okay? They overpaid Dak Prescott. Jerry Jones has the biggest ego in America. Those Dallas Cowboys fans sitting there getting all excited this morning talking about saying, oh, we beat the Bucs. Well, the Bucs are old. Brady's old, okay? Was I shocked that the Cowboys beat the Bucs? No, I wasn't shocked. I was shocked by the way they beat them. It was a butt whooping. It was 31 to 14. Now, they beat them by three. I'm not like, you know, oh, you know. But everybody's, how about them Cowboys? That's the only thing in your dictionary. Every time you wake up with a bit, how about them Cowboys? Every time you go up take a shot, how about them Cowboys? Every single time. It just makes me sick to my stomach. But I can't wait. All those Cowboy fans talking about some Dak is all this, but your, your field goal kicker is four extra points now. Uh-huh, that, should, that should scare y'all. That should scare y'all. But I can't wait until y'all play at on Sunday, when y'all play those 49ers. Brock Purdy, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to put my money on Brock Purdy and those 49ers because Jimmy G sent y'all home last year. And Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, third-string quarterback, finna take y'all home. And what y'all Cowboy fans go say after this? We had a good season. That's what y'all going to say. But I know inside you're going to start crying because you want to believe so bad that you think you're going to win the Super Bowl but I know I predict the future when it comes to those Dallas Cowboys. You ain't winning the Super Bowl. As long as I live on first down, run down, and whatever my future is on Totem Pole Sport, those Dallas Cowboys ain't winning the Super Bowl under my watch. And I do everything in my power to make sure that Dak Prescott folds. And I'm going to talk to his daddy. He's going to throw two interceptions against the 49ers defense. You know, I was going to say a lot about the Cowboys, but I, I can't now. I, I think, I mean, Tyler basically took all the words right out of my mouth. I can't say anything after that. Um, that that perfectly describes, I think, my feelings. So that wraps up at least kind of the the, the overview of, of the wildcard weekend that we had, which was good. And I think, you know, we, we, we did a great job kind of just going over everything. Right now, I'm going to do just, just a quick lightning round, kind of, um, you know, what our feelings are about the games coming up this weekend. Obviously, the spreads have come out and whatever, uh, but just, you know, we're, we're just kind of calling the games as we see them. We, we've kind of given some of our leans and, and you know, teams that we think might win uh, already throughout the episode here, but just kind of so that we can have a, uh, you know, a, a fun a fun record type of, you know, just, just keeping track of everything going forward here. So, um, obviously, Chiefs, Jaguars, you know, I, I think the Chiefs are going to win. I think the Chiefs are going to kind of crush the Jaguars as much as it has been a great story. I, I like, I mean, they're coming off week of rest. The Jaguars had that crazy win against the Titans to end the season just to make the playoffs to begin with. Now you have that crazy come from behind victory. Like, 
it, it's been magic, but I think that it just NFL teams in this space, like there's only so many times that you can produce magic. And, and I think the Kansas city chiefs can produce more magic than anybody, uh, which, which, you know, I, I think they're going to the super bowl. So uh, that was the other thing that I was going to say to Hayden before he was like, Oh, whoever wins the bills and the Bengals is going to go to the super bowl and win the super bowl. And I think it's going to be the bills. And I'm like, Nope, I think the Bengals are going to win. And I think the chiefs are going to beat the Bengals to go to the super bowl. So um, that's kind of my, my, at least my prediction for, for the AFC side. Uh, what do you guys got? I got all my predictions in the world. Okay, so AFC side, I'm going to take the upset. I'm taking Jacksonville to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Doug Peterson, I think, was the quarterback's coach under Andy Reid, I think, before he got the Eagles job or whatever. So I'm going to take the Jaguars over the Chiefs. Then I'm going to take the Bengals. Joe Shiesty, Joe Burrow over those Bengals. And then don't be surprised. I do want the Eagles to beat the Giants. But don't be. I won't be surprised if the Giants beat the Eagles. But I'm gonna. I'm gonna pick the upset on the Giants beat the Eagles, so I can be right. I was five and one last week. I want to be four and zero. Oh. And then of course the 49ers are gonna beat those Cowboys, and I'm gonna watch very very closely. And I hope those Cowboy fans are crying because I'm gonna be drinking a cold one once they win. All right. Well, I've got the on the AFC side. I've got the Chiefs and uh, Chiefs over the Jaguars. I'm wouldn't be surprised if the Jaguars win this game. I'm gonna put it out there. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give uh, Tyler some credit here, but I just think that the Chiefs are gonna be a little too much for the Jaguars. Again, you could argue that the Chargers were too much for the Jaguars in the first half of last game, but I mean, I, I don't know if the, if the Jaguars can do it twice in a row. And I think that the Chiefs coming off, some might say that they're gonna be like rusty coming out of the bye. I don't know about all that. I think Andy Reid's going to have this team prepared. They've they they were having fun with teams at, at the end of the regular season. I mean, they they were doing that like ring around the rosy huddle thing against uh, whoever I think it was the Raiders in their last game. It was like, yeah, it's like what was that? They were just they were just toying with them. So I think do I think they're they're going to do that to Jaguars? No, but I think that the Chiefs are going to take that one. And then I think I've got the Bills over the Bengals. Like I said, I think the Bills are, you know, they're my Super Bowl champion. I'm riding with them all the way. And on the NFC side of things, I have got the Eagles beating the Giants again. I I think it's going to be not even that close. I think that the Eagles are going to kind of crush the Giants and then 49ers over the Cowboys because, yeah, we've kind of expressed our sentiment on the Cowboys in this podcast. I think we have at least if, if we haven't made ourselves clear, then um, I think it's safe to say that we don't. We aren't very big fans of the Cowboys. So I'm going to go 49ers over those. It's kind of boring because I've got the one and two seeds on both sides of the bracket. But I think I just think that that's how it's going to turn out this year. That's it, man. Yeah. You can close it out, Aiden. All right. Well, with that being said, it was a very good episode. Uh, thank, thank you again to Tyler for coming out and showing his stuff because that's, I mean, hey, that, it, it was a great episode. Uh, we, had, we had a lot of good content and it was actually pretty surprising that we got this far with just football. I mean, we've got like, I think it's like an hour 20 or actually over an hour 20 of, of just straight football talk. But yeah, it was um, shout out to Matt for writing all the questions out. I'm going to give him the credit because he, he did work pretty hard on these questions and he had one for every single team that was, that played in the wild card round. So that props to him for that. Uh, we will be coming out with another episode, hopefully at the, at the end of this week, uh, maybe this weekend, something like that. But yeah, you, you guys will hear an NBA topic there. We promised an NBA top, topic for this episode because we were supposed to do it last week and we didn't. And so we're going to save that for uh, for our next episode, which will be hopefully a little bit, well, it'll probably be a little bit more laid back. But this was, yeah, this, this was a great episode um, to get out now. And yeah, just looking forward to these divisional round games coming up this weekend. 
And that's about all I have to say. I'm going to sign off for today again. Thank you for um, Tyler for coming out. Tyler, if you just want to kind of shout out your socials or your, you know, YouTube channel, just do it right now. Uh, YouTube is Totem Post Sports. Instagram, Totem Post Sports. Just follow Totem Post Sports everywhere. Twitter, all the other stuff. I uh, appreciate First Down Rundown for bringing me along. Hopefully I'll come back for more episodes in the future. Like I said, it's my favorite show. All right, on Apple Podcast, Spotify Podcast. I mean, it's my number one. As soon as the episode pop up, I listen to it all the time. So listen to every single episode. So you're doing a good thing around here. But thank you for bringing me on tonight. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. All right, well, with that being said, you guys go follow Tyler on all the socials, and we will catch you guys at the end of the week.